Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dr. Whitney Knauer of the University of Minnesota. We're so glad to have you on the podcast, Dr. Knauer. Thanks for being with us to share your insights. So today we're going to discuss paired housing of calves, along with the best practices and tips for success. So to begin, I'd like to start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity um, to be part of this podcast. Um, I am always excited to talk about paired housing of, of calves. So I'm Whitney. Um, I'm an assistant professor here at the University of Minnesota College of Vet Med. Um, and I've been here now 10 years. I've lived in Minnesota. So I did my PhD here too, um, under uh, at the vet school with Dr. Sandra Godden, um, also focused on calves. Um, you know, going further back, um, I, I did my veterinary degree at the University of Pennsylvania, um, did spend some time at Cornell doing an internship and residency. So I've got some dairy practice background. Um, and then before that, what really dr- drove my excitement about the dairy industry is um, I went to the University of Vermont for undergrad. So um, that's where I really fell in love with with dairy cattle um, and, and the industry and, and really cheese. Um, they, the, the University of Vermont um, ships all their milk to Cabot. And so we got to eat a lot of good cheese when we were students. Um, so again, yeah, I'm really excited to be here um, and, uh, and excited to talk about this topic. Wonderful. So currently the majority of calves in the United States are housed individually. Why do you believe we will be and maybe should be transitioning to pair housing? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So um, the majority of calves right now in the U.S. Um, and probably in North America actually um, are housed individually. And so that's, you know, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent of calves housed individually. But we are seeing the shift. Um, if you look at some of the, the recent surveys, we're seeing more and more calves being housed socially. And there's a couple big reasons for that. Um, one is that the, the word is getting out that it is better for the calf. Um, so I like to talk about, you know, the, the calf, the producer, um, as, as kind of two different entities that, that have to work together. And, and, and then the consumer as well. And so um, the, the majority of, of evidence that we'll talk about later, I think, um, suggests that social housing is, is better for the calf. Um, it fulfills a lot of her needs, um, both social development, um, and we see it, it other advantages as well. Um, when we think about the producer, so we know that, that labor is becoming a big challenge on our dairy farms. And um, one advantage, maybe not for pair housing specifically, but it, for larger groups is that we have so we gain some labor advantages where we don't need to be feeding um, and delivering milk to calves in an individual fashion. And then if you look at or if you, if you um, think about the consumer, there's a, a lot of literature recently um, that suggests that the, the the consumer who is purchasing, you know, our milk and cheese on the shelf um, at the grocery store, when questioned about how we should be raising our calves, um, they really they really um, are challenged with the idea of thinking that we're we're housing our calves individually. And so, um, kind of all those three things, and and many, many there are many factors. But um, when we think about the calf, better for the calf. We think about the producer um, and and their goals. You know. At, the big one being labor, the reductions in labor needs, um, and then the consumer, kind of what they what they really want. Um, 
it kind of kind of comes down to that social housing is the way that we should be should be shifting our focus. What research has been done to show some of the improvements that are associated with housing calves and pairs compared to individual hutches, um, maybe more specifically in terms of health and growth? Sure. So there have been, I don't know, maybe 20 studies in the literature um, that have looked at kind of performance outcomes when, when considering pair housing of calves. And the overwhelming majority of studies either show an advantage when we're talking about growth. So we show an advantage um, during the pre-weaning period in, in, in growth in calves that are housed in a pair, in a pair versus in individually. Um, and then the, some show equivocal, but there are no studies that I'm aware of that show that there's a detriment to calf growth. So, and, and the reason that we think that that's happening, there hasn't really been a specific study to look at this specific question, um, but we know that, ca that cows and calves want to do things together um, and they learn from each other. And so what we think is happening is that those calves are learning um, and maybe competing and eating more grain during the pre-weaning period. Because a lot of the studies, they, they kind of hold everything else the same. Um, so the milk feeding programs are the same but the grain intakes um, are different. And so um, that's that's one of the advantages um, is, is in growth. And then when we think about health, the majority of studies that are published um, don't quite have the, the numbers that we need to actually make a big conclusion about health. Um, but many people are concerned, um, you know, the more we know that, in, especially in, in large groups, there is a disadvantage when it comes to calf health. Um, and that really depends on other management factors as well. But um, the majority of published literature suggests that there isn't a difference in health um, in calves that are housed in a pair versus individually. And there may be some little differences here and there, but nothing that would really um, be really important to the calf or to the producer or to the, the, um, the economic sort of viability of the pre-weaning period when we think about treatment costs. Um, we, there are some, there is some on-farm data um, that we've done. So we've done some studies or we've done at least one study on-farm um, sort of in a real commercial setting where um, the, the, we're not quite at the final analysis stage, um, but we, we found that, um, so we looked at triplet housing, so three calves in a, in a group versus one um, individually. And we found not a lot of differences during the pre-weaning period, but then when we look post-weaning, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, um, but really one of the things that I like to think of or like to talk about when we think about pair housing is that, it, or social housing in general, is it really sets up the calf for that next step um, when they're going through the weaning phase, um, they're you know having nutritional changes, they're having social changes, environmental changes. Um, the, the one thing that we can take away from those calves is the social change. Um, so they already kind of learn how to be a social animal, um, and, and we know that that, that socialization um, can cause stress. And we know that stress can, um, can predispose a calf or a heifer um, to, to disease challenge. So um, that's one thing that we found in that study that the post-weaning, um, there, were, there were differences. Pre-weaning, no, no differences in, in health. Um, but post-weaning, when we look at particularly mortality, um, we find that, you know, out to about six months of age, um, there were there were advantages to having those calves in, in um, social housing or triplet housing during the pre-weaning period. Well, that leads right into my next question, because I think it's pretty well known that lactating cows are social animals. Is this the same for calves? And are there positive changes associated with social behavior for calves that are housed in pairs? 
Yes. Um, there's been some really cool studies recently, one that was published at the beginning of this year that um, researchers at the University of British Columbia, they asked the question, sort of, do calves want to be social and will they work to, to be in a social setting? And the answer to both of those is yes. So um, they found that that when they gave the calves an option um, and and actually made it harder and harder for them to get to the the other calf that they were, were able to socialize with, they found that those calves would prefer to be with another calf and also would work. And by working, I mean they would sort of push through a gate um, that they put more and more weight on. So the calves had to work harder to push through that that setting. So. Um, you know, we know that the calves prefer it. And then we know when we look at some of the other research that asks, you know, what are the, the benefits or how does how does the socialization during the pre-weaning period benefit the calf? Um, we can look at a couple different things. One is that um, calves that are housed in, in groups or in a pair during the pre-weaning period um, are less fearful of other calves. Um, they're less fearful in novel environments. So again, this is really important when we think about the weaning transition. The other the other advantage um, is that when we so we have some some research to suggest that post weaning um, we actually have some reduction increase in line time um, in calves that are this isn't really social be behavior but it's more behavior um, and it's probably driven by by social dynamics um, where we have calves that. Um, post weaning. So after they move to that post weaning pen, they, the, the paired calves lie down more. Um, the individual calves are up kind of exploring each other, like who are you, um, to the other calves in the pen, um, and they're exploring their environment more. The paired calves are just calmer. Um, so again, when we think about stress and the risks associated with, with um, stress during that, that transition um, to the wean calf pen, um, and, and then the downstream negative effects of, of that stress, um, you know, we can we can come back and say, well, that pair housing or that social housing during the pre-weaning period um, is is really important to mitigate some of that. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned earlier that pair housing is often easier in terms of labor. Can you expand upon that? No, it's actually so. I would say that when we think about pair housing versus larger groups. Um, we don't get the same advantages um, because in most circumstances, we are still sort of hand delivering milk to those calves versus if we're in a larger group, um, we might be using a mob feeder, for example, so um, or we might be using an auto feeder. So the, the labor associated with pair housing usually isn't much different. Um, however, I will say that when we think about transitioning to some sort of social housing um, from individual housing. I think it's it's the easiest sort of, I, I hate to use the term quick fix, but it's sort of the easiest transition um, if you already have individual individually housed calves, whether we're talking about two calves, um, you know, putting two hutches together, which is something we've been playing around with on the, the University of Minnesota on our campus dairy for, for a couple of years now um, and kind of how to, to do that in the best way. Um, and then also, you know, two calves, if, if we have calves that are housed individually in a barn, um, same idea. Well, a lot of those systems have a divider in between. Um, and so we can remove that divider um, and form a pair that way. Um, so, so as far as labor, I will say that pair housing does not have a lot of advantages, um, but does have definite advantages for the calf. And then when we get to larger and larger groups, um, that's where we really gain those the labor efficiencies, particularly when we think about feeding calves, um, you know, twice a day or three times a day or whatever, however we're, we're doing that. No, that, that totally makes sense. So talking about 
group housing, um, how many calves in a group is too much? Um, and what are some of the advantages and disadvantages about housing in groups? Yeah, this is this is a great question. So I will first say that management really matters when we're thinking about um, health, right? So that's the big thing that we talk about when we think about sort of the disadvantages of large group housing um, is, is health, morbidity, mortality, potentially blanket treatment. So there's plenty of operations um, that, you know, give calves um, some sort of uh, antibiotic um, during the pre-weaning period, sort of to every calf. So that we, we would call that prophylactic treatment um, with antibiotics um, to, to try to prevent um, disease. So um, the magic number as far as group size for um, health seems to be about eight. So if we have anything less than eight calves in a group, um, we don't see the same detrimental effects on calf health as we do when we get higher than that. Um, and there've been, there's at least one, one study that um, did sort of randomized calves to different size treatment groups or to different size group housing um, and showed that. Um, that there was less of a risk of respiratory disease and less of a risk of mortality um, when the groups were kept small. I will say um, that there's plenty of operations that are doing an excellent job um, of, of larger group sizes. And that's when we need to start thinking about, um, you know, when do those calves enter the group pen? At what age do those calves enter the group pen? What is the age spread within that group of calves? You know, what are the sanitation practices? How much milk are we feeding? Um, so there's a lot of other different management factors that go into um, to, to success. And, and group size really isn't the um, the only factor, um, training to the auto, if we're using auto feeders, which is very typical, um, when the group sizes get over, you know, 15 or so calves, um, you know, how do we train those calves? So lots of different things that are lots of different, um, factors that go into, into health in those systems. Cause again, there's plenty of operations, um, that are doing a, a good job and, and raising calves, um, that are fairly healthy throughout the pre-weaning period. Oh, that's, some really sound advice that it's not just a, you know, one size fits all. This is the magic, magic solution for every single farm. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to move on to which types of farms would benefit most from transitioning to pair housing. Who exactly are these farms? Yeah, this is a, a great question because it highlights the fact that um, not every, probably not every operation is ready today um, to, to pair house their calves. And so I like to talk about, um, you know, getting back to management. So we want to have, we want to already be doing a good job with our calves. So, you know, if we think about, for example, um, Dairy Cap and Heifer Association, they have their gold standards and they have their guidelines for, um, for example, serum total protein levels in the calves for morbidity, mortality, um, and within morbidity, you know, diarrheal treatment, respiratory, or, yeah, respiratory disease treatment. Um, pre-weaning average daily gain. And so um, if we, you know, we already want to be doing a good job in terms of getting calves through the pre-weaning period in good health and then with good growth. And those two really go hand in hand because calories are, are, are pretty important um, when we think about immune function. So um, that that's what I would say is that we want to, we want to target operations that are already doing a good job and or um, help producers. So putting on my veterinary hat, you know, help producers um, get to a, a place where they're, you know, feeding enough milk, they're, um, you know, the treatment protocols, vaccination protocols, um, colostrum management, 
And then if we even go back further, maternity pen management is all excellent. Um, so that we, because when we think about social housing, it's not, it's not, um, a quick fix as far as fixing problems. Um, and, and actually it probably exacerbates problems. So, you know, for example, if we're, we're not doing a good job with our colostrum management on a, on a particular operation, um, and then we put those calves in a group, um, that can, that can further exacerbate that problem. Um, a failure of passive transfer, for example. So again, we, we want um, to, to be implementing this into in operations that are already doing a pretty good job with their calves and are also committed um, to potentially making changes um, in their in their calf management um, to to help facilitate um, a, a, a transition that is beneficial for everyone. So I'd like to back it up a bit. Um, so what is the ideal timing on when to pair calves? Is it straight from birth or is there kind of a time period that you want to wait before you're grouping those calves together? Yeah, this is a great question. And I, I would I would say that it totally depends on management um, because some operations pair at birth and they do fine. Um, some operations wait a little while. Um, and really the magic window seems to be in that first three weeks. So and when we're talking about magic window, I'm talking about seeing the advantages of, of pair housing and, and talking from a, a health well, performance standpoint. So starter intake and, and pre-weaning average daily gain, those benefits are really realized sometime in that first three weeks. So pairing sometime in the first three weeks. And I would say the other thing to consider, I, I like waiting um, until calves kind of know how to calf, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, you know, they're, they're drinking well, they're vigorous. Um, and that usually is within, usually that happens within the first couple of days. Um, but some, some operations, they wait a week. Um, and that's, that's what they do. And that's what they found success with. So again, um, in that first three, three weeks is, is ideal, um, anytime in those first three weeks, um, but it really is going to depend on the management of a, a particular operation because it's just like group housing. There are some operations that after calves get colostrum, they go in the group pen um, and they need a little bit more help um, finding the auto feeder and kind of learning how to be a calf. Um, as far as, you know, finding where the grain is, finding where the the um, the teat is so that they can drink and then also operations that, that wait some time. So um, there might be some labor advantages to waiting um, in that. You don't have to be as um, as helpful or you don't have to help the calves as much. Um, but again, first three weeks, that's the ideal time. I really like that on waiting until calves know how to calf. I think that's <laughs> some sound advice for sure. Um, so you said within the first three weeks. So are there any considerations you need to have if you maybe have a bit of an age difference between your calves? If calf A um, is three weeks old and calf B is um, one week old or um, newborn, um, is that okay if there's a bit of an age difference or any other differences in terms of health? This yeah, this is a this is a great question. I we usually I I I would say seven days. That's we don't want to go more than seven days um, within a within a pair. Um, and the the big reason we don't have really much data to support that. That's just kind of what we've been doing and what has what has worked. Um, there is some data in the group housing world um, where I think it's it's fourteen days. If the calves in a pen are more than fourteen days apart. Um, the, the 
health challenge um, within those calves is higher. Um, and you can think of, I mean, if you think about it as, especially you just said newborn, right? You, you probably won't want to put a newborn calf with a two-week-old calf. Um, if you think about sort of, again, the, that calf's ability to be vigorous, um, and, and, and the opposite, right? The, the, the bullying potentially. So some people are, are concerned about, um, you know, if, if one of the calves is a little bigger, that calf is going to bully that other calf and maybe drink its milk, for example. Um, and that's a legitimate concern. Um, and so again, se seven days is, is the furthest that I, I would want to go. And that is also really important to think about when we think about some of our smaller operations um, that might not be able to pair house um, with, within those restrictions. So there might be, you know, if, if there was, um, a, a need eventually for all calves to be socially housed, there would have to be some really creative ways um, in thinking how we might do that um, with, with a larger age difference. Absolutely, especially as you said, farms are in all shapes and sizes, um, and this may be something that um, may be uh, mandatory in the future. So you had also mentioned um, there's possibility of bullying, um, yeah. especially in terms of feed. So how do you manage feeding so calves are getting the correct amount of milk and nutrition? Yeah, uh, there's always one, right? There's always one in a, in a group of two. I, I'm thinking of, so the, the calves on the campus dairy uh, are all named this year. And there's a pair, Eva and Ava. Um, and Ava is a... Uh, a very, very sort of timid calf. And Eva is a, a very, um, a, she's not a bully, but she is a str she's strong. Um, she's she's a, a, a strong calf um, and uh, drinks her milk very fast. And so um, those two have been sort of, at least during the pre-weaning period, um, a, a challenge a little bit from a management standpoint, because the Eva will drink her full milk meal and then go and start to, um, you know, bully Eva off of the teat. Um, and so what there's a couple ways to consider how to how to fix that or how to um, deal with that problem. One is is just separating calves at milk feeding time. Um, that that in, increases some labor. So we've done at least one one study where we measured that labor um, extra labor, and it's about a minute per pair per feeding um, to um, you know separate them. And what that means is we put kind of a barrier in between um, sort of the two hutches, so each calf has her own hutch and outdoor space um, to to drink. And then the sort of a, a simpler solution that the um, the, the calf manager and uh, the the dairy manager have um, figured out on on our campus dairy is they just halter one of them. So um, the, usually the calf that is a, a little faster of a drinker um, during feeding time they will halter that calf so that she can only go um, go so far. Um, and on on the dairy um, up here we feed with um, with teat buckets, so the peach teat teat buckets. Um, and those are really nice for, for a couple of reasons. One is that we can feed a lot of milk through them um, at a time. We're not limited by the size of a bottle. Um, and then the other is that um, there, there's some, some literature to suggest that um, when we increase the amount of time that the calf is nursing, so this, this gets into cross-sucking, which is a big challenge in any sort of group housing situation, um, when we sort of tire those calves out by um, making them um, suckle their milk meal rather than drinking from a bucket, um, they're less likely um, to, it takes them a little longer to, to drink their milk. Um, so that prevents them from sort of going and stealing milk from, from their neighbor. Um, and it also um, reduces the risk of, of cross-sucking, which most of the time occurs after um, drinking, after they drink or after they, they eat their milk meal. So um, 
Again, barrier in between that prevents milk stealing, um, a little more labor intensive. Second um, option is, is doing something else to separate, um, for example, putting a halter on the calf that is the faster drinker. Now, um, majority of calves that are housed individually in hutches are usually housed outside. So how do you recommend housing for pairs is set up? Is it in the barn, outside? What are some of those best practices? Yeah, so it really any way, I think, um, you know, as long as I, I certainly don't like working in hutches in winter in Minnesota, um, because, you know, everything is outdoors. And um, if it's windy, fingers freeze, all those kind of things, the calves, the calves are fine. Um, so it, it, with hutches, it can work. Um, we sort of put two hutches together and, you know, add that sort of outdoor area for them to run around in. I tend to like that because if, you know, I've done a lot of watching these calves and kind of what they do. Um, and there's lots of times when they're outside, like just running around in a circle, um, with their pair mates. So, you know, doing sort of expressing those sort of play behaviors, um, that contribute to kind of the, the development of social skills. And so if you have calves in a barn, um, they, you know, typically we have, um, you know, eight by eight foot by four foot or nine by four sort of area for each calf. And so when we do that, um, we still have enough space for calf if, per calf. If we look at the, if we use the, the DCHA guidelines, um, you know, of like 36 or 35 square feet per calf, um, but they don't have that exercise area. Um, but, you know, any, any way that we can put two calves together, I think is, um, is is beneficial to the calf. And so, um, you know, calves in a barn, remove that center divider, put two calves together. Um, you know, same with the hutch. We put those two hutches together and kind of, um, you know, instead of having one sort of outdoor run per calf, we kind of bend that a little bit and we we create kind of an outdoor, outdoor space for those calves to, to play in. Absolutely. So we're now actually at the end of our conversation. Um, but before we wrap up, um, I have one last question that I've been asking all of our um, interview guests that have been on the podcast. Um, and I just want to know what does an animal centered environment mean to you? I, I love this, this animal centered um, approach. Absolutely. So uh, to me, what an animal centered environment means is that we take into consideration what that individual needs. Um, and when we think about, for example, animal welfare, um, that's when we're thinking about the individual animal and her, you know, how she can survive and thrive in the environment that she is in. So I, you know, I th it's really hard to, to separate um, you know, our needs as humans, but I think for a long time we have been really focused on what, what we need. Um, and so I think flipping the script a little bit and thinking about, you know, what does that calf need? Um, you know, whether it's thinking about what does she need nutritionally, what does she need socially? It's about, um, you know, about thinking about that individual, um, and doing what's best for her, um, for that, you know, whatever time period we're thinking about in the terms of the calf during the pre-weaning period, what's best for her um, in, in that, in that, um, in that time period. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Knauer, for your time and insights. Calves are definitely the future of each dairy, and we appreciate you sharing more about the benefits of pairing calves um, and your recommendations for dairies to make that transition. So thank you to everyone who joined us on this podcast episode, and we hope to catch you in our next one. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.